Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon and welcome to our sermon discussion. I am Michelle Lichty and I am here with David Henderson. Greetings, y'all. And we are here to discuss, uh, David, your sermon from this past Sunday, Offer Up, which was part one of our calling Love Jesus. And it was based on Psalm 84. So you started your sermon with a quick overview reminder of our calling. I did. Uh, and uh, and part of the intent of that was just to kind of be reiterating that. I think if there's really, if there's anything that we would love everybody at Covenant to just know that is about, you know, kind of here's what we're about as a church, it would probably be that statement of our calling that we are called mm-hmm. to live a life of love, to love Jesus, love his people and pour out his love on the world. So where I'm trying to take regular opportunities to reiterate that, to remind us all, uh, because it's easy to forget. But then the other thing, the other reason that I, I spent just a little bit of time with that was because I just wanted to, again, make the connection. You know, it's, it, I think it's so easy to think of Christianity as just one big long list. I, mm. I should pray. I should worship. I should, uh, I should tithe. I should share my faith. I should, and so on and so on. And, and I think it's easy for us to miss the the overarching thing that holds it all together. And Jesus, I think, really lays that out in the, the kind of, here's the greatest commandment, love. Here's the second greatest, love. I'm, mm. I'm calling you to a life of love. And everything else is connected to that. And Jesus even says that. Every, all the rest of uh, the commands, uh, they, they all are just an expression of one of those two things. So we're trying to keep reinforcing this connection that every part of what we do as a church and every part of our discipleship efforts of, of raising us up together towards maturity in Christ, every part of it is connected in some way with our calling. It's not like, okay, there's this love thing. And then there's this mm-hmm. evangelism thing. And there's this worship thing. And there's no, it's all love right. is the thing that gathers it all together. In fact, I love how Paul says that in, in Colossians 3, 16 ish, uh, and love binds it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the other thing that I was wanting to, kind of highlight is, yeah, we're going to be talking about a worship life and studying scripture and sharing your faith and that kind of thing. But right. here's how it all fits. It all fits under these headings. Live a life of love, love Jesus, love his people, pride his love on the world. Right. Yes. And, and I like that we, well, you and us um, as, as a church, it's not a checklist, right? It's, we're not saying, okay, in order to love Jesus, do these four or five things in order to love his people, do these things. We recognize that these are expressions of our calling and, and it's going to look different for each person um, as God calls us into um, different ways of, of worship, into different ways of study, into different ways of loving his people and of loving our neighbors and loving the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's right, Michelle. And there's there's a way in which it will look different for each of us. And 
we will all have something in common at the same time, which is part of the, yes. you know, what is the uh, line that Paul says in Galatians 5, I think, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not, we're not, not going to turn into robots and, and we won't become identical. Uh, right. We'll, we'll each have our unique way of expressing those things that we have in common as the people of God. Yeah, you know, I, I've been yeah. thinking a lot about this. We had, I just mentioned to you right before we got on, um, that uh, we did a, a drop-in for donuts thing on Saturday morning over late Labor Day weekend in our neighborhood. We had 40 neighbors show up. It was oh, wow. awesome. And, and we um, had, we said, come from 9.30 to 11, and there were still a bunch of people at noon. And uh, I was trying to get ready for a wedding I was doing. So I was like, okay, you guys have a great time. See ya. Um, I really <laughs> did leave while they were all still there, but Sharon was out there with them. Um, but uh, what has struck me so much as I've been thinking about this is the way that I relate to my neighbors is just going to be so fundamentally different. If I'm doing this out of a sense of obligation, this is one of the mm. things I'm supposed to do. Or if God has just formed a love in me for these people. Mm-hmm. And that comes about as I ask him to form that love in me. And as I ask him to give me the heart of Jesus for my neighbors, and he's really doing that. And, uh, and I think that that's felt it's just, it's a, and it's, I want to be with neighbors because I love them, not mm. I love them because I'm supposed to be with them. You know, it's the other way around. Uh, and I think the same is true with our worship life. I'm going to want to worship Jesus all through the day. If I, if he's my deepest love, uh, as opposed to, wow, how in the world do you worship all day long? How do you sustain that activity? Well, I'm not, I'm just loving him all through the day. I'm not sustaining it an activity. Um, mm. so I think, um, when, we, we get to the place where love is the vitalizing flame in the whole Christian life, then the rest, it is just the expression of our loves. It's not, oh, and there's also this. Uh, right. It's, it's, it's the natural outflow and overflow of, the, of those loves that we have. Well, that's a, another message probably, but um, <laughs> another conversation. But yeah, that was where we began. Yes. And, and so this, this message um, focused on Psalm 84, and we were talking about loving Jesus um, and, and worshiping daily and weekly. Um, I like that you contrasted more of the formal routine worship and the informal ongoing mm. worship. Um, it just helped me to recognize that it's all worship. And it just looks a little bit different. Hmm. Yeah. Or, or maybe, I mean, this, this isn't to correct you, but to clarify what I think you would probably say too. It can all be worship. If my right. heart is worshiping. I mean, yes. not everything I do is worship. Uh, but if I'm mindful of God and what I do is towards him, then I can be right. delighting in him all, all through that. But yeah, right. I think, um, yeah, this is one of the things that came through in our discipleship conversation. We originally just had weekly worship uh, as as the thing, you know, we, if we if we love Jesus, it's going to show up in our worshiping on a weekly basis and our studying scripture on a regular basis. It's like, wait, that isn't adequate. We're not, and it, again, we're not doing the checklist thing. We right. We really believe that love for Jesus will just spill over into and uh, vitalize every part of. Mm-hmm. of the rest of what I do, or yeah. at least that that's God's desire. Now, I do have a question for you, and I looked for it because you just sent me your your um, your sermon 
uh, transcript. And so I looked for this in the sermon transcript and I didn't see it. But on Sunday morning, I heard you say, I never um, said that. <laughs> of course. Well, I heard you. I mean, so I, something true. And I think something um, maybe um, not, uh, not mentioned. So we're talking about worshiping you know, the formal routine of worship, we gather on Sunday mornings and during COVID um, that was in our homes more than in the sanctuary at, at church, at covenant. Um, And so, um, man, I didn't write it down. So I'm trying to remember exactly what you said, but it was something like when we gather together in a large group, um, or, or we think we can worship individually in nature and and not gather together in in groups with 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 the people of God. Um, right. You know, it was about Hebrews um, that passage in Hebrews that says, "Don't neglect getting together as some are in the habit yes. of doing." Um, and I just, I I just I thought, okay, that is true, and we don't necessarily have to gather in group in in. 150 or 350 or 500 people together on a Sunday morning. It was for not gathering with people. You know, so we can gather in smaller groups. God in Matthew, it says that if two or more are gathered in his name, there I am with them. And so um, and especially during COVID, our, the small groups were still meeting um, either on Zoom or sometimes in person, depending on the comfort level of the group outside or inside with masks. And um, and so I, I just want to point out that gathering together with God's people includes weekly worship and can be expressed in small groups as well. It doesn't have to be 100 people together. And, and I would probably put, I would probably say a yes uh, and or a yes, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is great. I love you raising this. Um, yeah, I think, I think when Jesus is talking about where two or three are gathered, he's not talking about the church's shared worship life. He's talking about his own living presence as the risen Lord present to his people, that his power is available to them. It's, I think if the focus is more on prayer and its answers than it is on the church's worship life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think um, it's, it's interesting, because, Michelle, I actually love that you raised this um, because I think back on our conversations we had as a staff, you know, when, during COVID, one mm-hmm. of the things we said is kind of what, what is the acceptable irreducible minimum of a person's worship life during COVID when we had to cancel worship services, then what does that mean? I don't have a legitimate worship experience if I'm not with the people of God. Of course not. You know, I think we're, mm-hmm. we're doing what we can. It's God's intention was not that we would go to the grocery and, and, and use wine or grape juice in our own home that we pull out of our fridge. And while we're all watching online, we're taking communion with the rest of the body of Christ. But it's what we did during that time because it was the best we could do. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, online worship or worshiping in small groups were the best we could do during those times. But I have really, and you've probably heard this in some of my 
preaching recently and some of my comments recently, I have really become persuaded that there is a dynamic that happens that is not just I'm together with other believers worshiping God, like in a small group, you know, five of mm-hmm. us get together and we worship on a Sunday morning. You know, that's not invalid as a worship experience in and of itself. But there is something constitutive of us as the people of God when we all come together. Uh, there uh, is a way that we are, we are surrounded by the new humanity, not just this, my brother, this, my sister, these people I get along with and enjoy being with and, and whose insights I appreciate. But um, I am, th- there is a way in which I am brought back into the heart of what is truest of all. God is on the throne in worship. This is his throne room and the new humanity that's described. It's, it's like a reenactment of Revelation 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and the, the, the countless throngs that gather together from every nation and tribe and people and tongue. It's, it's, I think it is meant to be evocative of, anticipatory of, recreative of that reality. And, and I am in that moment, I am embedded back in the midst of the people of God. And I, um, and all of, of my um, orientation towards life is recalibrated and re, reproportioned. I'm put back in my relationship to God and to the people around me. Um, so, uh, you know, if because of COVID cautions or, or mobility issues, online is the only options available to me, God can absolutely meet us in that. It's not like I'm getting demerits by not getting to worship. But I think all things being equal, if there is opportunity for me to be with on my own worshiping online or in my small group or with the whole church family on a Sunday morning, I do think the scriptures point to this almost for more, not not for um, obligatory reasons, but for almost the mystical reasons of the manner in which that reestablishes me in the the ring setting as the gem kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm put, I'm locked back into the, to truth and to reality. Um, so I, I do think that there, you know, if someone wanted to take a Sunday off for their small group to go like this, we've got a group camping in a couple of weeks and it's a smaller group in the church heading off and they're going to worship together. Awesome. I love that. There's not any sense of, you know, kind of me or us looking over their shoulder going, yeah, but are you going to get back to church on Sunday? You know, it's like, (laughs) this is great. I love that you're having that experience. That's going to bring you all deeper to each other. Mm -hmm. That's going to be real and valid worship. But I think if, I I guess, at the end of all these long words to clarify that it would be (laughs) um, that if, if either me worshiping by myself or me worshiping in a small group becomes a substitute that I see as being an equal exchange for being bodily in the midst of the people of God every Sunday morning, then I think that becomes problematic. If I understand Mm. that as an appropriate alternative on a given Sunday, no problem whatsoever. Hmm. Um, I'm um, just um curious. I mean I don't disagree with you. Okay. I welcome to (laughs) and you know that (laughs) I am I do think that there is something, there's like some 
something special about gathering with my church family on Sunday morning in the sanctuary to worship. There is an energy there that is not existent when I am participating online. Um, I am much more immersed in the service um, rather than feeling like an observer um, to the service when I'm participating online. Um, that being said, like the early church met in homes. And so, um, and, and their, their church body was much smaller. Um, and I mean, even here in this, in the States, uh, you know, in today's, uh, in today's society, in today's church culture, we have like the average church size is 65 people is what I've heard recently. Um, so that's pretty small. Um, right, right. But it, so just to interact with that, I don't think it's specifically, it's not like, therefore, the conclusion is the larger the church you go to, the more authentically you will experience reality on a Sunday morning, the more faithful you will be to God's calling. The, the thing, though, that was significant, I've been reading and you were part of this discussion and uh, we're having a conversation with staff in session about this book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church by Alan Kreider, this incredible study of the first 300 years of the life of the church. And the thing that he says is the entire church got together every week and not only every week, but almost every night, the entire church. So mm -hmm. it, it, it was small. Uh, because there were so few believers, but everybody was there and everybody mm. made that a priority. And it had that same constituting dynamic where we, this is a foretaste of the new humanity. Um, this isn't an optional gathering for those who want the meaningful emotional experience of worship. This mm. is us. This is us. We mm. are the people of God gathered together. Um, and we are, we are his family. It's that colony of heaven dynamic that I think becomes so important. Um, hmm. So I think, you know, there is a trend within Christianity now to say house church, small group, personal experience out in nature, whole church gathered. It's all kind of a one of one of a kind. And and I, I just as I've continued to sit with this and and you certainly could come out to a different place and others may well as well. But I, I have definitely become um, renewed in my conviction of the constituting value of of our coming together as the whole people of god um, mm. i like the way you put it i i just thought oh you're speaking my husband's language <laughs> <laughs> when you said uh you know it's a hard reboot sunday morning is a hard <laughs> reboot we're getting our updates that's <laughs> getting funny. rid of the viruses getting rid yeah. of the bugs <laughs> yeah. But there, you know, to think of it that radically, that something has gone wrong in us, and that is the time when we stop and start over more and more. I do think that that's kind of just, you know, with the time we spent in Revelation, that passage, mm -hmm. I do think we're meant to see this as bursting through the wall of this world and this life and tumbling into the, the one place that was and is and, and is to come of God on the throne ruling and, and our uh, are being gathered before him um, mm. as a, as a profoundly defining moment for us. Yeah. And, and, and it has a different, 
you know, like I said before, a different kind of feel to it um, on a Sunday morning when we're gathered as a body versus, um, you know, on a Tuesday morning when I'm, um, you know, worshiping as I am getting ready for work, (laughs) as I'm reading my Bible, as I'm praying or, um, you know, as I'm driving into the office, it's just a, it's a, it's not that I'm not worshiping depending on my heart attitude as I'm doing my, as I am going through life as much as I'm not getting that sense of tumbling into what was and is and is to come right. the throne yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think worship is anytime we are consciously delighting in God throughout a day or throughout a night. And um, I mean, I think, I think that it has become a little bit common, like in, in some of the reformed thinking circles to just think if I'm working faithfully, that is worship. And I would say, no, that's working faithfully. And I love yeah. that. And that's important, but worship always includes a mindfulness. I'm um, we, you know, we say every Sunday morning at the start of our worship service, this, we are coming into the presence of God and, and I, I think the only way we can worship is if we um, come into the presence of God in some way, just in a mindfulness. And like you said, it's not this kind of all of us together, there's music, there's, there's emotion, there's teaching, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think just that, that even the, the uh, individual silent equivalent of me just reaching out my hand to God at some point throughout the day, um, I'm just aware. I, mm. I need you. I love you. Uh, I mean, I, I, shared in a sermon a long, long time ago, just that I love you, Lord Jesus, as a really simple, um, just kind of a thing that I do with my hand. And now 25 times a day, I'll do, I'll do that. And, hmm. and I'll do it in different orders. Lord Jesus, I love you. You, Lord hmm. Jesus, I love, you know, it's kind of, it's just this kind of, I, I think whenever we become mindful in whatever way, then that makes that moment of work or that moment of conversation or that moment as we transition from one thing to another, a moment of worship. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I think people could get even the impression of, um, you know, as I go through my day and I'm mindful of God, then I'm, and, and I'm delighting in him, then therefore nothing bad is going wrong. I mean, nothing is going wrong in my day. <laughs> nothing bad is happening because I'm delighting in the Lord. Right. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, which is not true, right? Because think right, back. Which really all happened. of Psalm 84 addresses, well, the last two thirds of Psalm 84 addresses, that's right. Yeah, not at all. D- to delight in God, to enjoy God, doesn't mean, um, yeah, that things are going swimming. <clears throat> right. It means I have him and he's all I need. So what does that look like when you're in a moment <clears throat> where you're upset? Um, where something bad is happening, where, uh, you know, you know, to just take something out of the hat, you're writhing in pain on the floor (laughs) with a kidney stone, with a kidney stone. Yeah. Yeah, Just out of the air. Yeah. (laughs) Just, just as, you know, an imaginary example. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's funny because that that actually came to mind. When you're worse, what does that look like to worship God in that moment? Uh, what it looked like for me was uh, pacing back and forth 
um, through almost the entire night in our dark house saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And in every one of those moments, I was worshiping. I was reaching to him. I was mindful of him. I was so profoundly aware of the depth of my need. Um, and uh, so it, it wasn't, oh, Jesus, I am so grateful for this pain that is sending me writhing on the ground and makes me want to hit my head on the wall. I, you know, it was, it was just crying out. And mm -hmm. I think um, crying out to Jesus is such a faithful way to worship him. It's that including him. The, in whatever it is that is going on i i mm -hmm. include him in this conversation i pray right before we got um uh, on this zoom call together that's mm -hmm. that's worship it's a mindfulness of him it's bringing him in it's a wanting to honor him in what we do together and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even as we in this conversation i'm just praying lord how would you lead us in framing an answer to this and that becomes the dimension of worship and giving uh what we're doing to god thanking mm -hmm. god at the end of a time mm -hmm. asking for his help when we fail asking for his forgiveness and for a fresh start you know i think it's that worship and mindfulness are so closely intertwined mindfulness of him uh, right right how would you answer that yeah i was thinking about that i i was thinking of okay so how so i have a couple of thoughts you know first of all how did i how was i mindful of 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 God as I was parenting small children. Uh, you know, what did that look like on a daily basis? And it was normally an internal dialogue of, I'm so tired and I don't want to deal with this child. And God give me the strength to do that. <laughs> and yeah. and um and also um, you know, when I was disciplining a child, I would say, um, you know. My dad always said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but I did say, I, I said to my children, like, look, if, if I do not discipline you for this behavior, then I am being disobedient because God has called me to train you and to teach you the way to go. And this was not, this was a poor decision and you, and we need to deal with that. Um, and, and when I had the mindfulness to recognize that I needed to be obedient as a mom and express that to my children, that it changed that whole interaction um, in ways that I can't even articulate. Um, so yeah. that's one thought. Um, another thought is that came up this summer in our community group discussion on Sunday mornings, as we're talking about worship, um, Someone said, you know, from the outside, there is no difference between performance and worship. And that is, I mean, I think it was in the context of a Sunday morning service. But as I've been pondering that statement, I'm like, well, that is actually 24-7. You know, from the outside, there's no difference between performance and worship. It's all in the heart attitude. And so I'm asking myself frequently, oh, what's my heart attitude? Am I mindful of God or am I mindful of myself? I love that. Yeah. And, and what's, you know, it seems to me in a moment when 
I'm overwhelmed trying to figure out how to manage my little kids and keep up with their energy or respond to that. This is the 412th time we've gone over this. You know, <laughs> that, um, and I say, Lord, help me. In that moment, I'm pulling back the curtains and mm-hmm. there's God on the throne. And I'm saying, I acknowledge you as the one who has all power. Please make some of that power available to me. That's an act of worship. Um, mm-hmm. And then the curtain is going to close naturally as I give my focus to something else. And then, um, and then I think, uh, hey, kids, I'm answerable to God, too. Boom. In that moment, I have just pulled back the curtain and acknowledged uh, he is king and I am his subject and mm-hmm. I have to answer to him as king. I, I'm back in the throne room. I mean, I think um, even in those moments, even in those flash moments of mindfulness, yeah, worship is the subject before the king. You know, I, I, I think it's and and. And I can have that moment 50 times a day and mm-hmm. it may just be this long, but then worship weaves through the whole day. You know, I, I come into this time with you and I just say, Lord, let this serve your purposes. Boom. I've just pulled back the curtain. I've just said all things exist for your sake from him right. and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory king on the throne. It's my desire that you would be glorified. And mm-hmm. My prayer was way shorter than even just saying it that way, but it was an act of worship. And, and I think that's what God means to have woven all through the day. Hmm. Yeah. And I think we, we've talked about this before. It's, um, it's helpful to have uh, reminders, you know, physical reminders or action reminders. Um, one thing that you've said, which I've not yet implemented, but I thought it was a great idea and I keep meaning to do it, um, was the threshold prayer. Like mm-hmm. as I am walking across the threshold, just being mindful that God is walking with me and into whatever is coming across, was whatever is coming next. Yep. Um, and so, you know, whatever, you know, and, and it's, I think, um, it's easy to say, I'm not used to being mindful of God all throughout the day. I don't even, how can I do that? And it's like, no, just start with one, right? If you're not being, if you're not mindful of him in the morning, start there and start saying, okay, God, I, I know you're here with me and maybe, um, read a verse or two of your, of your, of the Bible or, um, you know, review the scripture that was preached on Sunday morning. I mean, just one thing at a time will build the habit so that in 30 years, it will be 50 times a day or more. You don't start yeah, with 50 and, times a day. <laughs> and, and I think, a, I think a, an awesome prayer to couple with that very initial um, embarking on that practice of of bringing God into there, bringing yourself before God each day is to ask him to give us that mindfulness. I mean, God is right. God delights when we connect to them all through the day. And, and so if I ask him, Lord, would you do this for me? Would you just make my heart more attentive to you? Wow. Is that a prayer? He loves to answer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think to even be able to begin there is yeah. a great place to start. And if you're wanting to help children learn this habit, a great way to do that is around the dinner table at night or at, you know, right before bedtime and just say, where did you see God today? 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and then and but the key is you kind of have to be thinking about that yourself so you can give your kids examples. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where did where have I seen God today? I mean, and that's yeah. a great journaling question too as you end your day. Yeah, I'll say. I do, I, you know, and it is interesting. I, I started off in my Christian life, I mean, for years and years, uh, the, the one daily practice that I did was a morning quiet time. And it was only more recently discovering, um, it wasn't the Protestant side, but the Catholic side, Ignatius of Loyola talked about this examine at the end of the, the mm -hmm. day, which is a prayer practice that a lot of Protestants and Catholics use now. And I found that really meaningful to bookend the day with the beginning of committing my day to God, asking him to give me an awareness all through the day. And then coming back at the end of the day, the examine is really, well, so Lord, where did I see you? Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. And Lord, where did I miss you? Uh, right. What did I miss that you did today? Lord, forgive me. Give me eyes to see that now and give me eyes tomorrow to, to see you more than I did today. Yeah. And and some of that, that bookending then just invites a prayerful worship of mindfulness all through the day. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. I have on my notes, the last question you asked, what does it look like to always dwell in God's presence? And it's to have a posture of expectant worship each day and a deep trust of God's goodness and his involvement in our lives. Yeah, you may remember that the definition of joy that I've arrived at over the years is a settled confidence in the goodness of God, no matter what. Hmm. And this psalm ends with what joy for the one who trusts in you, a Lord of hosts. And, uh, and I really do think that's the bottom line of the psalm. The psalmist starts off saying, man, it's so good to be in the temple. And then he thinks, well, actually, look at all these ways that I experience you when I'm not in the temple. Mm -hmm. um, and Lord, what joy for me when I'm looking to you, even when I'm in the valley of weeping, and then he arrives at this conclusion at the very end, um, what joy for the one who trusts in you, O Lord of hosts. And I do think that that is the um, kind of the summary perspective that the psalmist offers. Any, in any moment, I can find joy or experience mm -hmm. God's blessing if I just turn to him in that posture of trust. Mm -hmm. Lord, you, you are all I need. You have all I need. You are good. You are to be trusted. You've got me. You've got this. I give mm -hmm. it back to you. I invite you into this. You know, that all of that is just the reiteration of a posture of trust. I trust mm -hmm. you. I trust you. I trust you. Mm -hmm. um, to say I need you is to say I trust you. To say I love you is to say I trust you. To say would you please help me is to say I trust you. To say mm -hmm. thank you is to say I trust you. What joy mm -hmm. for the one who trusts in the Lord of hosts. Amen. I think that's a great place to end. All right, let's do. Well, thank you, David, for joining me today. And thank you to our audience who, um, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our podcast or on our blog, we are grateful for the few minutes that you took out of your day to uh, join us in this discussion. Good joy right. to be with you all. Yeah, thanks for being part of this. And Michelle, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.